right in front of him. Crowd are looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome in to the Just Basketball Show for August 17th, 2023. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. Thanks again to Dylan Heiser on production. Today's show, we're going to talk about three big-name players being out of the FIBA World Cup, which is a real bummer for that tournament, and particularly, I think, some of those nations. Paige Becker's ever heard of her has been cleared. She's on the way back. We got some slop of the week, which is Joel and B. James Harden related, as it tends to be right now. And we're going to talk about Aces Liberty Round 3. The New York Liberty are your Commissioner's Cup champs for 2023. And, I, Brendan, I also, when we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about how I feel like this is just like further proof that the NBA's tournament is going to work. I want to get to that later a little bit, too, because I'm just, I'm just pilled now. I'm tournament pilled now, so we'll talk about that. Uh, but I want to tell you first about our friends at Homage. Homage is an ultra-comfortable specialty apparel company that uses vintage-inspired designs to pay homage to the greatest stories, traditions, and figures across sports, music, and pop culture. They have a ton of great NBA, WNBA, NFL, all that amazing stuff. Sometimes they do starter jacket drops as well. I desperately would like a brown starter jacket from them. Uh, someone send it to my address, please. And you can support them and support us. Go to the link below in the bo- in our description of this podcast, wherever you're watching or listening. Click that link. Go buy yourself or someone you care about something nice from there. And some of the money from your purchase comes back to support the Just Basketball So, so shout out to Homage. Because you got their amazing, super soft products. You won't regret it. Brennan, let's start with the FIBA World Cup. Let's do it. Three injuries. Jamal Murray is going to rest. He will not play. Um, obviously, for him, this is, I, you know, he had, he had that long recovery from the ACL. I wonder if that has something to do with just making sure his body is correct. Giannis had left knee cleanup surgery in June. He put out a very long Instagram post detailing um, that he hopes to play at the Olympics next summer and, and bring his team glory. So he seemed pretty bummed by it. And then uh, Christoph Porzingis is going to miss it with plantar fasciitis. Obviously Giannis is the big name here. Murray's NBA champion. Would have been cool to see him play for a really upstart Canada team. Uh, that That's really on the way up in terms of their national team. Brogan and Porzingis is, is a, is a big name as well. This, this does not Brennan damper my excitement for this tournament, but I mean, these names are going to take away from the overall quality of this tournament. They absolutely have to. Yeah, I think from the, the tournament standpoint, you look at Murray not playing and, and Canada just taking a little bit of a hit, although Shea is better than Jamal Murray, I would I would say, uh, if not, you know, maybe a little less experience. So there was going to be some overlap. I think they can survive it. They were so talented already that maybe, you know, Shea's cousin, Nikhil Alexander-Walker slides in. Maybe it's more Lou Dort and Dylan Brooks. They have the, the talent. Corey Joseph is, is still around. So they should still be a major factor. If not, like with Murray, they might have just been the outright favorites. Now they're just like one of the favorites. The Giannis part, though, from the FIBA World Cup standpoint, actually, to me, is the most disappointing. It's obviously worrisome for the Bucks, but Giannis, uh, Greece was in Team USA's group. So they were kind of the only big matchup that the U.S. was going to have in the first round in terms of NBA intrigue. So that kind of sucks. And then Porzingis, mm-hmm. to me, it it's just a really bad start to a pretty important season in Boston. They all are, but with the expensiveness of this team, the fact that Porzingis was their big move 
after you know trading Marcus Smart and retaining Jalen Brown, retaining Joe Missoula even, to start out the year with an injury-prone guy having an injury, that's probably the biggest NBA impact that we're seeing here. Don't know. It's still you know a while till training camp, but that's not the right foot to get started on at all if you're the Celtics. I literally and, and figuratively, I would say, because that is, that is a foot injury. I don't know if you meant that kind of punnage there, but I, I respect it. It works. I think the honest one is obviously the, the big one, but I, I think the Porzingis one is where I kind of want to. Like, the honest one, it's like, if he's right, there's no real concerns there. Like, yeah. and just we'll see. And we'll, I, I kind of would just, like, there's nothing that we've heard, I guess, that would suggest that he's not just going to be fine when the season starts. Sure. The Porzingis one is the one that would make me feel the most scared if I'm anybody, just because we already have, to, as we've talked about, there are some concerns with what that is. And you already gave him this contract extension, and he's a seven-footer who has had injuries in the past that really did derail him in some ways. And now he has this plantar fasciitis thing, which, like, that can you can deal with that over and over. You can have nagging issues with this. Like, if I'm Boston, I'm a little... I would be sweating a little bit today, wondering how healthy Porzingis is and what you have to do to kind of keep him healthy. And that's particularly, I think, true, Brendan, for an organization whose bigs are Robert Williams, who's had a lot of injury issues the last couple of years, and Al Horford, who is very much closer to the end than the beginning and can only sit, tap into that you know, what well of eternal youth so many times before that kind of runs its course. This would make me feel very nervous if I'm Joe Missoula, if I'm Brad Stevens, if I'm that entire Celtics organization. Yeah, for sure. It's also, in terms of Latvia, they were the group of death. They had Canada's in their group and France. And so Porzingis being out alleviates that group a little bit too. I mean, any of the Canada-France games are going to be be must-see. Good news for Porzingis. You know, he had the torn ACL in 2018, but he hasn't had foot stuff particularly. So this is not like a recurrence of things that he's dealt with in the past, but obviously knee, ankle, heel a lot over the course of his career. So not great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all three of these guys, I think it's the right decision. This this tournament is not worth it. World Cup is more important. The Olympics are more important. Obviously, the NBA season Uh Easy for me to say. I know there is amount of, an amount of pride that goes into it, but money-wise, clearly the priority for them. So can't fault anybody. It makes the tournament a little worse. It gives these Celtics and Bucks especially a little bit of uncertainty going into the NBA season, but should still be fun. Oh, we're going to do a full FIBA preview before this tournament really kicks off, but Brendan, I want to ask you, is there a group you're most excited about? Yeah, it's that one with Canada and France. I mean, okay. from a group stage standpoint, I think it has to be. I mean, you have... No other group really has like multiple great teams. I mean, Group E has Germany and Australia. That that should be good. That would maybe be my like second pick, but yeah. And Lauer, and I was gonna go that one just because you had Germany plus Australia plus, plus Lauer Markin and Finland. Yeah, Parkin Like I was gonna go there. That was gonna be my hipster swerve, but you kind of beat me to it. I mean, even Japan has. Uh, Yuta Watanabe and Rui Hachimura, mm -hmm. so they're not like, you know, some unknown team either. So, yeah, probably that one. Lowry Market and Post Military Service, what's the vibe? I just can't, you know, does this, how much is his hair grown back? Lots of questions, you know. Well, and his, his kind of breakout season last year started mm -hmm. with Eurobasket for Finland. So, you know, he seems to be kind of at his best with those guys. And that Australian roster is really, like, just has a bunch of names. <laughs> I'm just like, sure. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. you know, it'll be interesting to see how they mix the youth and the old guys with 
Patty Mills and Joe Ingles and those types versus like Josh Giddy and you know Matisse Thybul. Yeah, and they haven't fully turned it over to like even like the next generation of younger Australians that are coming up, maybe playing domestically or, or that have been drafted or like will be drafted in the coming years, which is kind of an interesting part of it. But maybe that's the you know and that, that'll be giddy jump shot watch as well. Um, I would say to some degree. So we'll talk more about FIBA as it gets closer. Um, hope all those guys can help. I agree with you; it's the right decision for all of them. I think that leaves it at that for now. All right, let's go to let's go to the slot, Brendan, because I, I want to well, I want to like double up the women's basketball part of this. Let's go to the slot. You okay. brought this to you threw this in our team Slack, and um, why don't you walk us through what Joel Embiid has has done here on on Twitter dot com. So slop of the week x.com first of all. Slop of yes, the week sorry. is um slop of the week is where we take things from the NBA world that may or may not be news and discuss them with the the significance and and detail and importance that they deserve which can be high or low depending. So part of what I want to throw back to you to decide is just how important this actually is, but it's not an accident. I mean, we've been around in sports in the social media age long enough to know that this is not an accident or nothing. He took Philadelphia out of his location, which he had set on Twitter, and I believe he had some sort of like Sixers center or like something like that, like a lot of athletes do. And that has gone too. He has updated the location to be uh, the city in Cameroon that he, uh, I believe, was born in or lived in. So, you know, kind of doing a, a little bit of, of fix up there to make it seem like a, a, a natural thing. But again, not an accident. So I'll ask you, if it's not an accident and it's very obvious that he did this, is it important? Does it matter? How sloppy are we talking here? I feel like this is like if we were watching. I think you should leave. This is like a very sloppy steak. Okay. Joel Embiid is one of those guys that I just don't feel like this stuff is never not intentional. I I just think this guy on social media, in his public persona, in what he says and what he doesn't say, how he carries himself. I think it's all very intentional. He remembers things. Like I, this isn't a guy to me that isn't like didn't like the rest of us see the James Harden thing on social media. I'm sure he's pretty pissed about it. I, I'm sure he has some feelings about it. You know, he hasn't said anything publicly. We haven't got like an interview with him. We haven't seen like a, a real comment. This is like the closest thing we have to So Maybe that's why I'm putting value in this, but it's, it's, it's something because he strikes me as a guy that is going to do this stuff intentionally. And I don't, you know, like I'm there. I think there are a lot of guys that have, Look, maybe this is something deep down that is just like, hey, his brand manager, there's like a shoot, there's something with his shoe coming and it's going to be Cameroon focused and or something. And that's what this is. And it's just like a business thing that like there are guys whose socials are just run by their like they have a team. And I think a lot of people just do have a team overseeing their socials. Yeah, but within, even if it's that, it's like it's weird. I mean, it's you got to get out in front of it in some kind of way. Yeah. Like the like people who would run it don't live in a under a rock. They got to know so, how this is going to be seen, you know? So that, that's what I'm getting at. So it's like you didn't put out like a teaser video or something. There, there's just something like there's some annoyance here. That's the only way I can I can read what's going on here. I, I this feels like does it actually mean anything? Like I don't think we, it's hard to ascribe value to any of the social media stuff. Sometimes it just is because 
you know, it's just like when it's like when a rapper like or like a musician deletes all their posts and then puts up like is because they're getting for new albums. Like, well, is this that? Is this just annoyance? Like, I don't know, but it's it's something. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I agree. It's intentional. Um, I just think after sitting on the Harden stuff and thinking about Philadelphia after we talked about it a little bit a couple days ago on the first episode of the week that I don't know why the Sixers wouldn't be doing every possible single thing that they can do to trade for Damian Lillard right now. And I was thinking about Tyrese Maxey a little bit more who we've talked about and we did an episode of guys who shouldn't be traded, uh, who should be traded, but won't be. And I had Maxey on that list with the level of desperation that you're kind of now facing as the Sixers, and not just because Joel Embiid changed his Twitter stuff, but after the Harden thing, the fact that he called Maury out, the fact that Maury has really not done an amazing job building this team, I think it would be clear you'd have to say, hired the wrong coach, ended up with Ben Simmons, gone. Role players are good but not great. Drafting, you got Maxi, but that's it. This is the swing you have to make right now seemed like they popped up in the Lillard sweepstakes at the very beginning and then he made it clear he wanted to go to Miami but if Portland's sitting there waiting for an offer that's better I'm not really sure if Maxi is different than Hero but he isn't paid yet maybe there's a little more value there maybe Maxi to a third team makes more sense whatever it is the Sixers should be giving Portland the offer that they've been waiting for that's not the Miami Heat's offer in order to salvage this situation what is the when have we ever seen Daryl Morey in a position where things were this desperate for him? Like, is is when he traded for Russell Westbrook the same as this? Or is this I think worse? when he traded for Russell Westbrook, he already knew he was on his way out because that trade made no sense, and it's just not how <laughs> Morey has ever done anything. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not even joking. I think I think a lot I of know. people assumed that at the time was like he must see the writing on the wall that this is kind of the last hardened year, and, and then he's probably gone. Yeah. That and and Maury might have thought he was gone too. Um, this just this feels like new territory. And I this Brendan, this is one of the things about journal managers that I don't think we. It's not the easiest thing for us to talk about because like what we can see, it's not something we can see. It's not even something reporting on. You're always going to get, I think, really great info on. It doesn't work that way when you talk to people about it because it just it's something that I understand why it doesn't get talked about a lot. But for me, I think one of the things we don't understand enough about all the general managers and decision makers in the league and have enough insight on is how they are as people people persons, or like how well they are at actually interacting with people. Because I think a big part of being a coach, but also an executive, is managing relationships with agents, managing relationships with players, managing relationships so like that if things do get haywire, you can weather these storms. You know, like in, in my backyard, let's say, one of the things about Kobe Altman that doesn't always make sense to me has been like how he handled the Kevin Love stuff, how just like it didn't seem like any of the players for a certain stretch just like didn't trust him for whatever reason. Like there just seems like something a little off in, in the people interactions at times. It just has felt that way from the outside looking in. This I I've Daryl Morey has never struck me as someone who is like great at like not seeing these guys as assets at times and managing actual relationships and like yeah, I think, I that mean, the, uh, not to cut you off, but I think we absolutely know what Daryl Morey's people skills are. They're bad. That's his number one knock. He's he's awful at that part of the job, and he's gotten you know, blowback pretty often for it. 
yeah, yeah. So I guess it's trying to be generous, but this is well, like the I ultimate. Mean, it's this, it's not like you're throwing punches at somebody who's never like just making sure. stuff up that's out there sure. that's very i mean chris paul said on the record he told me one oh, week prior to going to the oklahoma city thunder not that i wouldn't be traded period that i would specifically not be traded to the oklahoma city thunder and then beryl Morey did exactly that one week afterward i mean so okay i'd forgotten about that so okay i i amend what i've said that Daryl more like maybe just sucks dealing with people this is the ultimate test case of like, hey, you have the next guy that a lot of team would want to give up a bunch of stuff for. Can you keep him happy enough to keep him from not being really pissed off of you because James Harden's calling him a liar and you botched the best chance at a co-star as, or you can go get him Dame Lillard to replace Harden, even if that also means losing Maxi. Like this is just such a, and he just hired a new coach. Like there, there's just so much on the line here for Maury and like what his, how he holds this together is going to be fascinating like i understand the players drive the league i understand that intrigue is up here compared to what i'm kind of getting at but i think that is one of the most vital things that in sports broadly but unless for our context the nba right now that to me is one of those things that i don't think we talk about enough and that this is a big moment for daryl Morey, like absolutely being able to, to be a leader in his organization yeah i think his future in the nba is on the line He's only 50, but he has one conference finals appearance to his name as an executive. He's He rebuilt the Rockets. He sort of helped reset the Sixers and is already running up against it here. At a certain point, the wonderkind, you know, nerd Elvis, dork Elvis stuff doesn't just take you as far as it used to when your actual success doesn't match up. If he botches this, if, if he really does lose it with Embiid and the Sixers blow up, he's clearly getting fired here. And I'm not sure what amount of other teams would would want him. I mean, you never say never. Owners get convinced to try stuff. He's obviously very smart, knows what he's doing with this stuff. But I don't think that his future is guaranteed in the league. So it sh- it should, it obviously will spark a fire for him, but it doesn't seem like there's much of an out here unless they can swing for somebody like Lillard or I guess find a way to bring Harden back. I don't know if that would satisfy Embiid though. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and also I don't think Maury has like a Bob Myers to ESPN. Like, I, I, he doesn't strike me as someone who would be particularly good at being on television. No. I mean, if anyone's ever heard him on a podcast, he's very forthcoming, very kind of jokey and light, but uh, he it's, com- he sounds like a nerd. He sounds like a like a dude in a lab coat. I mean, I'm not going to be... It's not like it's a bad thing. It's well, just what he sounds no. like. Those people don't go on TV. There's a reason, like, TV people are TV people. He's not one of those. Coming, coming up probably next go up back first and take. teach classes or something like uh, sure. Sam Hinkie does. Coming up next on First Take, Stephen A. and Daryl Morey are going to debate Dak Prescott and his future with the Cowboys. Does he have the clutch gene? That's coming up next. Also, if he ever appeared on any show like that, the amount of skewering over the analytics revolution would just get ugly. Like, he would just be the punching bag for everything everybody's ever gotten angry about with analytics in the NBA. He already is, but he gets to hide behind being a, a team employee. So yeah, no, that yeah. like he needs to, he needs to have a future in the league. He wants to have a future in the league. He has a very cushy job in Philadelphia that he kind of hand selected. And if he can't keep this team together when so much was set up for them to dominate for years, then he deserves to be on the outs. So a Perk and Daryl Morey podcast is not something you think he's interested in. Perk, Swagoo, and Morey. I mean, anything's possible. 
okay. the worldwide leader. They've they've pulled rabbits out of hats before. Maybe that's what is needed to save ESPN. Yeah, that's going to goose the stock prices as they try to like figure out that business. Big big ESPN business story in the world right now. By the way, you should keep an eye on that. But all right, let's any any final Embiid thoughts? I derailed this a little bit, so I apologize. But we will we get and, plenty of time to talk about Joel Embiid, but just a little additional step toward I, chaos. Well, I, I want to. Well, there, with the Sixers, I was like, we got the group stage announcements, uh, the dates for these games the other day, Brendan. For the in-season and, tournament, uh, yeah, yeah, for the in-season tournament, and uh, I was like, look, I, I really want like BetMGM or some other sportsbook to give me odds for the groups for the groups, because like I, I think the Cavs in that group should be the favorite just based on you were betting on insecurity in Philly and three bad teams. Like Indiana being like maybe the next best option, I think someone weird like the the team we don't expect to be the maybe the best team in that group to get out of that group. All right, we keep joking about how much August content we're doing. You trying to break down the Cavs odds in their in season no, 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 tournament I'll, group. I would is, go through. Look, I would August. No, Brennan. The other yesterday when when these came out, I was literally, can I get any sportsbook they'll give me odds across every single group because I want to know how they weight them versus title odds. And I don't think there's like a good way to do it for year one. And maybe there's like a formula. Maybe there's some NBA stuff you could draw on, but the the games are different. The data sets are different. I just wanted to know how the, how that's going to work. I uh, more do I need hobbies? You. Maybe, maybe. What I maybe thought I of is uh, going to Vegas for the final. That was that was where my mind went. If it was closer, I'd be there. Maybe I'll get there. Is a there is a Cleveland to Vegas Spirit flight I could take. I remember your experience with that the first time around. It didn't seem like it was super pleasant. The way back was fine. The way there was was pretty was maybe this. Aside from coming back from New York just this past time, that was the worst plane experience I've ever had in my life. I've only had one other worst plane experience, and that one. Oof. Just don't drink the margaritas on the on, on the Spirit flight at like midday. Like, come on, let me sleep. Okay, drink drink a high noon in the airport like a real like a real like a real person. You know, come on. Um, Paige Beckers, Brennan, is back. She is back playing pickup. She is back cleared for activity. She's going to be back for UConn this upcoming fall. And, and But I think we have three big – I think this is one of three big college women's college basketball stories we have. We have Paige. We have Caitlin Clark and her encore of last year. And we have LSU defending their title, adding Haley Van Lith. Like, this is going to be a loaded year. But the Paige one, to me, is almost the most interesting because – this was the number one player in her class. This was the presumed number one pick in her class for the longest time until Caitlin is, I think, overtaken her now. She's had some yeah. injury stuff now. This UConn team is, you know, we'll see exactly what they are. That You know, Ozzy Flood maybe hasn't hit the highs you might have hoped for her coming out of high school as well. There's a lot on the line for Paige this year, and we need to see how healthy she is. I I just cannot wait to see her because she's an amazing player, but let's also see what this really looks like as we get going here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think she. It, it would be pretty hard for me to see her surpass Caitlin Clark no matter what happens this year. I think she has an inside track to be the second overall pick, which is, is obviously... So you, you, would have, you would have her over Angel Reese, I guess, is what I would... I guess the follow-up. Yeah, I, I'm... I need to see, and I'm not even saying it like she, as an as an Angel Reese thing. I'm saying it as a, I need to watch her more with an eye toward the WNBA than I have. Um, but 
I just think Here's what Paige the- Beckers can do as an offensive player and what she can do creating for others, creating for herself, like all of that to me, um, I, I would have her higher. But I'm looking, you know, a WNBA mock draft from NBA Draft Room, and, and he does really good work. I think his name's Mike. Um, he has her fifth page. Yeah. So, yeah, the you know. for the win one right now has Kaylin Clark, then Cameron Brink, then Paige Beckers, then Aaliyah Edwards, then Rakea mm-hmm. Jackson from Tennessee. Yeah. Then Camilla Court Cardoso from South Carolina, and then Angel Reese is seventh, and then Georgia Moore is, is eighth. Yeah, I mean, scouting in the W is always hard. It, the The sample sizes are, I mean, I guess they're the same in, in college, but, you know, players just have different pathways, and the college stuff, they have to stay longer, but it's harder to maybe gauge their ceiling because they can be dominant in college for a long time before they have to go pro. There's a lot, so it very clearly is up in the air. I think from a UConn standpoint, this has a chance to be a really, really, really great team, though. Because you just listed Ali Edwards. She's there, basically their center. She's a projected top five pick, as is AZ Fudd, who will go the following year. She is, uh, I actually think she's she's pretty amazing. She She's like the best, one of the best shooting prospects we've ever seen. And then they have Nika Mule, who is a likely first round pick and even better shooter potentially than, uh, than Fudd, just not quite as big. And then uh, a senior, Aubrey Griffin, who is a super senior kind of COVID eligibility person who should just round them out. Like if they all stay healthy, they'll be right there and Paige will have a really good chance to dominate. I really like her. I think she plays the right way and makes her teammates better. And I value that really highly either way. Good to see her back on the court. She's had two entire seasons, pretty, pretty rocked by injuries. She's a superstar. If she's healthy. And there's, there's literally no question about that. There's zero question about this. It's all about her health at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I, and this is the year you mentioned this UConn team. They're also getting back three post players who missed last year. Like they're getting back some injury. They're getting back a post player who missed all of last season with injury to add to two other post players that they have coming back. Like they're going to be pretty loaded up front in a way that they maybe haven't in a couple of years, which is interesting. And if, like, if Paige plays up to her potential, like she, like, she could be the best player in women's college basketball. I don't think that's like an insane thing to say that she could have that kind of year all around. Like that's like, I understand the injury stuff, and I understand that Caitlin Clark hype and performances are to the moon and all this stuff. But it's like not out of the question that Paige has that kind of like comeback year, and it's like, oh, y'all must have forgot who I am. Like that yeah. would not be at all surprising if she just pops off that way. And we're look, we're at the Final Four when you're you know you're visiting me in wonderful Cleveland, Ohio, in in March and early April, and we're at the title game, and Paige Beckers is holding up, having won the final four most outstanding player and wins a national title. Like that is very much in the cards for her. If she's healthy and the Shukan team is as good as it can be. Well, and that's why I mentioned that she's on a better team, you know, and that will matter. That'll matter in terms of hype. That'll matter in terms of team, you know, winning and success and how far they go in the tournament and all that stuff. There's a reason UConn players tend to be first round picks, even if they're not always the best WNBA players. It's a spotlight. It's it's insulation from a talent standpoint. It's all that stuff. So she stands to benefit from that a lot. I think she's a better half-court playmaker than Caitlin Clark is. I think both of them have a ways to go on defense, but Paige might have a little bit of a leg up there. She, nobody has the shooting and scoring talent that, that Clark has. Nobody has the kind of physical toughness quite in the same way, but um, they're they're not far apart. And I think the fact that some mock drafts have her, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever at this point is going to feel silly by March. Yeah, it's, it's again provided health. Like I could I could see an argument for a five just based on if you're worried that her body is not going to hold up. I yeah, but the draft isn't valid. for 
seven months. So by then we'll know, right? Yeah. So yeah. Do you think she? Do you think she's someone that could stay another year? In the way that we've talked about Caitlin staying for another year. I mean, if her health doesn't cooperate, I would think she probably probably should. Yeah, but if she stays healthy and plays well, and they they dominate the way that they're capable of, I I think she should go pro. But I always think everybody should go pro, and it's probably selfish. I mostly just want to see them. <laughs> but in know. in that context, yeah. Yeah, I just want to see them in in the W rather than, you know. Okay, there's going to be some other UConn player coming up soon that can fill that void, and UConn will always be there. I just selfishly want to see the best players be pros, so it's probably more where yeah. it's coming from. I don't disagree with that. All right, last topic of the day. The Commissioner's Cup is over. The New York Liberty, Brendan, have won. Jonquil Jones gets MVP of the game. They got this without a great Brandon Stewart game. They got this without a great Tabrini Ionescu game. Hmm. I... I I want to. I, here's. There's a lot of nuances I want to get into, but I just want to ask, kind of big picture, how sure are we that the Liberty shouldn't just be the favorites now? They're plus two hundred now at BetMGM. They're plus. They're plus two twenty five after they beat the Aces in New York. They opened up the season around plus three hundred. At the very least, to me, I think this feels about right, and, and it's it's the value bet if you want to look at it from a betting perspective. I think. What's Vegas at? But. Uh, Vegas is like it was still like minus two new two twenty five. So yeah, Vegas, that doesn't feel that doesn't feel right. I think Vegas should be like plus one hundred. Yeah, I'm gonna double check that. But like the the Liberty with these last two games and winning in two different ways to me has been highly highly impressive. Yep. And I'm I'm I uh, yeah minus two twenty five for the Aces, plus two hundred for the Liberty, plus three thousand for the Sun. This is a two team title race. At least as the betting markets go. And I think the value all right now would be in the Liberty. They've shown in the last year performed that that first game was not indicative of a big talent gap. And yes, Candace Parker hasn't played in those last two games. I think we should talk about how much the Aces miss her in this specific matchup. But yeah. th- this is absolutely a, a, a title race that the Liberty can absolutely win and, w- and win it all this year. Yeah. I mean, l- when you say what more could they do, in this case, it's literal. They've beaten the team that they will need to go through who was presumed to be the favorite. It, it really is sort of a... Like they need to, do they need to win by thirty again on Thursday for it to, you know. I mean, maybe they will. I don't, I don't know where this is headed. But I they will, you, they will be they, playing they, on Thursday night, so they, we'll get another one real quick. They could lose that game by twenty, and I don't think my opinion would change that much if I'm being entirely. Honest. I've seen enough the last two games where I'm just kind of, yeah. kind of like, I, I think, I think this is real. I, this feels real to me. It's real, and I think the Aces thing uh, on their side of it to me is they need to figure out lineup wise what their specific game plan rotation wise is going to be against the Liberty. And it one a of that is it's going to include a lot less Kia Stokes. She only played 16 minutes in this game. Some of that was because nobody really played the fourth quarter for them. And she had already sort of gotten benched by that point. So she played like 16 minutes in the first three quarters really, but it might even need to be less than that. She's getting completely outplayed by John Quill Jones. They're overhelping and selling out to leave Kia Stokes even in the right in front of the rim. They're not worried about her. They're sending help to just smother the paint. They're sending help in transition. Their transition defense was amazing in this game, the, the Liberty. They're holding up on switches when they need to, and that includes Sabrina. That includes Vandersloot to a lesser degree. Uh, but especially Laney and Stewie, just absolutely unreal defensive games from both of them, mm-hmm. and John Quell just owning the paint, just dom- like the 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 gap between in these two games how John Quell Jones has played versus how Kia Stokes has played. 
that shouldn't be possible against two championship favorites. Like that level of gap between two starting players on that that play the same position and match up with one another, that's an emergency. I, I think if this was a playoff environment on Thursday, Alicia Clark would start over Stokes. I don't know if they'll get desperate enough to do that right now, but they were already showing their hand in the second half that that's Vegas's ultimate thing. And then you just have to figure it out from there. Who's playing the minutes to fill out the rest of the bench? Yeah, you might still get like, 10 minutes from Stokes, but Clark's got a, I think Clark has to play like 30 minutes a night with, with how this looks. And that, that is, a, I mean, it is a, yeah, pretty, she already kind of does. It's more like she, who has yeah. to play beyond that. Like Kirsten Bell, uh, can they get minutes from Kayla George or Elena Coates who aren't really like title caliber role players in the W like that, that it, it is an issue. It's easier said than done because they don't have a lot of depth with Candace out. Yeah, one is like, is, is Kelsey Plum going to play like 38 minutes in the finals? I think like that doesn't feel entirely off the table that her and Chelsea Gray are just on the floor the, basically the entire game. I mean, Chelsea Gray played 37 minutes in this one. Jack yeah. Young played 35. Asia Wilson played 35. Kelsey Plum played 33. Um, had five fouls, which probably limited her minutes a little bit. And it that to me feels like you maybe just got to leave them. And it's not even to say that the Liberty are that deep either because they're really not. I mean, they played their starters heavy minutes. Uh, Thornton played 16. Marino Hontis, who had 17 and was just an absolute flamethrower in this game, only played 14. But she at least, like, gave them just, like, a lot of pop off of the bench in this one. And, like, that that's some, that was a wild card that swung this game in a lot yeah. of ways to make up for, you know, Sabrina being 4-14 and Stewie being 4-16. But it's, like... This is maybe what we should have led with, but the, the Liberty won 82-63... to and Brianna Stewart and Sabrina Inescu were combined eight of thirty from the field and five of thirteen from three. The three pointer, obviously, like that, you can live with. That's like that's actually not too bad. But for them to make a combined eight field goals on thirty shots and for them to win by nineteen, that's like. That's, I mean, we kind of did start wild. with that because the reason that they won is because the, the Aces just couldn't score, right? So Yeah, but I, I mean, to shout out that explicitly, like I yeah. think that is just, that feels notable to me. When you win a game like that and you kind of have Jonquil Jones, who you were correct when we talked to Sprinter Merchant, was finding herself in this team. And now that, and they got this performance from Johannes off the bench. Like they, like they, they did more than enough without their, without their two best players yeah, really Sabrina did hit those two threes in the fourth quarter yes. that really closed the game out. And I yes. think to return to your point about the bench, um, it really comes down to right now the Liberty have two good bench players between Thornton, who also hit two threes at the end of the third quarter to start to put mm -hmm. it out of reach, and then Yonescu just closed the door, uh, and, and Johannes, who you mentioned, and then Stephanie Dolson, who has now returned, but is still kind of working her way back. She missed a lot of the season. Um, I would think she could be part of uh, a factor. She's not quite as mobile defensively as, as John Quiller Stewie. So maybe she doesn't play, but she is a good player. It just might not make up, make sense matchup wise. So I think it, I, that's all obviously noteworthy from what you would have expected, but you, you said it at the top, like they've now won games multiple ways. It didn't take a Sabrina explosion in this game uh, to win it. And, and that, that matters that, that proves it. I mean, the Liberty are just a flat out good defense now. They weren't that. Now they are. Um, but to return to the lineup stuff for a moment, because I, at the most telling part of the game from that standpoint was the close of the third quarter because the Aces did bench Stokes. They went they went small with Asia at the five and Alicia Clark in the game. They were down one when that that lineup 
and then Jonquil checked in on the other end. So that was the Liberty's base lineup with the two bigs versus the Aces' small lineup, which is what I think the closing lineups will be if these teams meet in the finals, and even on Thursday. They, Vegas lost that stretch by seven points. So even when they made their chess move to go small, they didn't, they didn't win those minutes the way that they would have hoped. And I think they were uncomfortable with it, which is why, again, I might even just start that lineup this on Thursday because you had John Quill Jones guarding Alicia Clark. And it felt like they were uncomfortable with how to handle that. They were continuing to like include JJ and Stewie's players in the screen. So they were involving them in the defensive action. Doesn't make sense to me. You want to get them out of it. You want to have high post passing or you want to have cutting or you want to just isolate Jackie Young on Sabrina Ionescu, do that type of stuff. Not set a screen where Stewie can just block your shot at the rim. Um, but at the same time, I thought they got some good stuff out of with Chelsea Gray as a screener. They were running double drag where she was popping to the top of the key to be kind of a secondary ball handler slash three point threat off of after she had screened. And when they ran that, they got three open threes, two of them by Alicia Clark, and she missed both. So some of it's just the way stuff falls. Both teams missed shots at the beginning of this game. Vandersloot's got a little got a little bit more aggressive. Johannes made some threes, and the Liberty were out, able to get out to a lead. But, you know, Jackie Young missed two threes early. Alicia Clark missed those. Asia Wilson got smothered by Stewie again. There was some stuff in this game that would totally have convinced you that both of these teams were equal. It's just, to me, that stretch where you're like, okay, lineups are finally even. This should be where the Aces make their run, and it actually went the other direction. I think we should talk about the Asia Wilson part of this a little bit because this is now two games. We talked about it last time when she was pretty salty uh, about how she played and said she wasn't concussed in that game against the Liberty. Then last night, uh, coming off of a, tw- a th- three games in between the, the two Liberty games, Brendan, she had 28, she had 40, which I believe is a career high, and she had 21. Last night, she had 30, she had, in 35 minutes, had nine points. I have to, I want to go back and watch both of these games, or at least her possessions, because I think they had, there's something about what the Liberty are doing. And I would, I would bet it's with the mobility of their bigs. And this, they have these, when they have Stewie and John Cole Jones guarding her, they have two players who are both strong enough to at least hang inside and aren't going to get overwhelmed and are mobile enough to stick with some of what Asia does and are long enough to really kind of bother. Like there's a good mix of all these different things they're doing to defend her. And maybe some of it is just, she's maybe having off nights, whatever it is. I don't expect her in a final series to average like nine points a game over the course of the finals. That would be very, that would be surprising if that happened. She's too good for that. But there's something in what the Liberty are doing and how they're defending Asia Wilson. They have the personnel to do it that I think is really throwing a wrench in what everything the Aces are doing. And if I'm them, I'm I. You gotta I think maybe find different ways to get her to attack when you when you match up in the finals, presumably. Maybe not by Thursday because that's such a quick turnaround. But when the games are really mattering and you're playing for the title, I, I might be looking in that direction. Yeah, I think this was one of the worst games I can remember her playing. I think that uh, part of what it felt like in this game more than the last one is that Stewie just enveloped her. Stewie just put the clamps down. And there were a lot of possessions where it was just Asia ISOing guarded by Brianna Stewart. And I would anticipate Asia made maybe one shot in those spots considering she only made two total. But maybe even bigger than that to me, the things that the stats that matter when I look at Asia's box score are zero assists, 
mm-hmm. and only six trips to the free throw line. If I'm the aces and they do play smaller with with less stokes and go away from such a pick and roll heavy half court offense, I think you try to have Asia getting the ball in quick hit isolations at the top of the arc at the free throw line elbow, which is where she gets the ball a lot and having her try to act as a passer, hoping that the five out the, the spacing that, that she has in those situations gives her a little more room. And if she's more of a double threat of passer slash scorer, then I think she could have a more effective overall night. Even if I think it might be hard for her to have many, 25 30 35 point games in this particular matchup because of the size that the liberty have but if you can make her effective in other ways and make her make her teammates better i think that would go a really long way they were just having too many possessions where they tried to have her seal in the very inside of the paint against stewie and it's like it's not an awful possession you're talking about an mvp scoring from three feet away but when the person between her and the basket is also an mvp that's not a high profile, high percentage shot. You got to do better than that. There is a thing that I think coaches, both in the men's game and the women's game, like to do is they just sometimes like to, they just are like, I trust, like, especially I think former players at times, I, I do think this is as a thing. They tend to just look at their star players and their best players and say, they're going to do this. They're going to figure this out and it's not going to be a problem, right? Like, I can just give them the ball and the talent is going to win out. I under, and I understand that impulse. Asia Wilson is the second best player in the WNBA behind Brianna Stewart, in my opinion. She's that good. She's been the MVP of the league. She's the best player on a team that was won the finals last year, was the overwhelming favorite to, to win the finals this year, coming into the season, and very well still could win the finals. We're talking about them a little bit, maybe negatively right now, but it's because the Liberty have been that good in these last two games that they've played, and, and recency biases came to often be a thing. And this is, is really thing. the only matchup that matters. So it's like their record against other teams at the end of the day, it, it tells us a lot, but this tells us the most. So yes. we, should, we should judge them harshly off of this game. 100%. I think it is time for them to have they, whatever it is, it, whether it's going to be back screening, whether it's going to be getting her at the elbow in different ways, whether it's just whatever you playing a little faster at times, they have to find a way to get some cross matches. I think they have to find a way to get her attacking smaller players at times. They have to get her ways to get the ball in more empowered positions and not make her doing all the work. She's still having like absolutely monster defensive games is the thing. Like she had some defensive seals last night that are just like men or women. It is one of the, like their seals that are at this level that it's just like insane. Yeah, both She's teams doing defense were out of Ridiculous. this world ridiculous but like i'm saying asia particularly it's like yeah she's having these bad offensive performances and yet on the other end you're stealing her sealed john Cole jones a former mvp of this league and just owning the paint at times like she's that good but on the other end it's like you have to empower her i think i think it's just there's a little lack of creativity a yeah. little lack a, a little lack of everything you've discussed i i really curious just to see like what again i don't think it's thursday because that turnaround is that quick mm-hmm. but i think when you get to, to the playoffs, I think you there has to be some alterations to the game plan a little bit. Even if it means tinkering what works for you against every other team, this matchup is so different and such a higher stakes that I think it demands that you do more with it. Yeah, the Liberty have definitely adjusted more. They've treated these games, I think, more as a special one-off type of thing than the Aces have. 
I would say if we do see adjustments, especially on the offensive end, I think a way to combine a few things here would be maybe it's not Asia's not going to be the type like even, you know, Stewart or Elena Deladon who can really bring the ball up, handle the ball on the perimeter. She's she's not quite that level of playmaker and ball handler, but maybe it's at the elbow, maybe it's in the post, some rub screen stuff. Have the guard screen for her and have specifically Ionescu and Vandersloot's defender. Put the put, put him in the who they're defending. The, yeah. Have them screen. And have if you if they switch that then great because you're still getting Stewie and, J- and JJ out of the play to a degree, but you're allowing Asia to attack downhill against a mismatch, against a, a rotating defense a little bit more. But regardless of if it's Asia or not, I think Jackie Young is the obvious person to me who also has a, a lot of room to get better, room to make a bigger impact on these games because, again, she missed some shots early, but she was also one of the better individual creators that Vegas I think she was the best of the of the of the aces the aces scorers in this game and if she can just get into an even better rhythm be featured and focused on even more she's guarded by Sabrina to start these games and if you allow them to do that that's a mismatch make them make them pay for that mismatch Um, but again I think it speaks to your point of you're not gonna losing twice like this should show you're not gonna play your game and just like roll to a victory. So I would hope even on Thursday they play with a little bit more purpose and a little bit more of a specialized game plan because it's going to hurt their confidence and and kind of momentum even more if they have to lose another one of these games to the obvious opponent we all know is is sitting between them and a title. The other thing I would add is that even if even if there are possessions where like if you do attack Sabrina with Jack Young or whatever Let's say she, you, you, it doesn't work at first. I, you have to trust that process because you're also going to make Sabrina expel more energy. And if her legs are 5% more tired in the fourth because you've put her in a dozen pick and rolls or, or Vandersloot is more worn out by the fourth in that same way because you attacked her more, it's going to pay off for you. That's going to pay over the case of a series in the finals. Like that is just... There are times where Brendan and I look at W and basketball, and I, I just I do enjoy that sometimes there is just a little bit more tr- like it is a little more structural at times than the NBA can get. But I think at times like you could really look at what the WNBA is could do here, and it's just to take the page out of what all the good coaches in the NBA are doing and say, hey, we're gonna put Sabrina Inescu in a, bu- a bunch of pick and rolls, and she's gonna get worn out by it, and we're gonna get good shots out of it. That's just like a win, even if it changes what you are a little bit. It's worth it to chase. Which is what the Liberty have done, I would say. I think another part of why they've been able to win these games is their offense is more simple than it was early in the season. I think that they've, I think that they've chilled out a little bit on split cuts and you know weak side double screens and everybody trying to get a quick post up after they run their action. And it was like a complete zoo in the half court early and then they were winning still but it was it was overly complicated overly complex for the talent that they had and i think they've benefited from kind of you know settling down a little bit i think to me not to keep harping on the same point but that's just harder for the aces without candace parker to be simple with their offense to rely on pace and movement and, and just you know basic actions it's a lot harder when you have a paint bound you know zero on offense like kia stokes has been all right, let's. Before I want to just ask you about how you, feel, how you feel about tournaments. Now that we've gotten through this one, and we saw the the environment in that game last night seemed amazing. 
Like it just from the get-go, it seemed like a big environment, obviously in Vegas. So there is maybe some partisan factors to consider with that. But as of today, Brennan, who would you – we do did this with Sabrina. I picked the Liberty. You picked the Aces still. Who are you picking to the WNBA title? I'm still going to go with the Aces simply because I think when they do bust out game plan stuff that is a little bit more specialized and, and, and in some closer games – I do think their experience and their ability to play together more comfortably will win out. And I would imagine we see the Liberty look human again at some point before the end of the season, and we might start to feel a little differently about them again. But right now, it's it's really hard to... Like, those odds you listed off are, feel pretty crazy to me. I, I don't think that the Liberty part of it is wrong. I just think the Aces still being that big of a minus uh, favorite is kind of wild. Uh, I'm going Liberty still. I'm sticking with it. I feel even better about it now. Well, yeah, you picked it just to have a little bit more uh, variety in our yeah. in our show that day, but now it's looking good. Yeah, uh, I, the last two games have just been impressive in so many different ways, and I would be feeling very, I would be feeling the the, the moment. Mom, I, I I don't know how I feel about this, Brendan. Sometimes like the nerds will be like momentum isn't a real thing, and I'm often like in alignment with like the analytics side of it and getting the data and like thinking about these things. But I kind of think momentum and energy is like a real thing, and I I think I do momentum maybe less so. I definitely think confidence is a thing, and those kind of go hand yes, in hand. Yes, that's a that that's a better word for it. I think the ace the Liberty, excuse me, are really going to have a have a springboard coming out of this finished regular season strong and to be in a really good spot come the playoffs. I mean, it's the same and, as anything, right? You you have yeah. a plan, you execute it, and it works. Of course, you're going to feel. Like that's working, and you can feel it physically. They're they're owning these games physically too. The Liberty had four rebounds, I think, in the second, or the Aces the had Aces, four rebounds yeah. in the second half. I mean, that's Becky Hammond. That was the longest tangible. Becky Hammond court I I saw. Yeah, yeah. And those Sabrina threes at the end of the at the beginning of the fourth quarter that really closed the game out both came off of offensive rebounds. So like, there's stuff where the confidence and the physicality and kind of the owning of the moment does show up. I think you're absolutely right. All right. Uh, tournament basketball in, in professionals, Brendan. I'm telling you, I, I was maybe like a six, six and a half on the NBA tournament, like mildly interested. I'm just kind of all the way in now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like a eight, and I, I just think it's maybe not year one. It's going to feel weird. We're going to have to get used to it and like remembering what, what days of group games and all that stuff. I think by like year three, this is just going to feel normal and awesome. And I do think the players are probably going to care. Maybe not the players that have already won stuff. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think LeBron's going to give a shit. I don't know how much like Durant's going to give a shit. But I think the, the the crop of superstars that haven't won anything are really going to give a damn about this, and I think it's I'm I'm just in I'm excited for it, and I think this 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 proof of concept uh, I think is is going to really bear out to be successful. I'm pretty all in on this. Yeah, I think it was Darren Fox. I tried to find the tweet uh, who expressed some like yeah I this matters to us, you know, like of course it does, and. Yeah, I'm tr- here we go. I think it's... Uh, he said, I'm so, so about it. Obviously, we've never done it before, but other basketball leagues and soccer leagues do it, and they seem to love it. And it's the Kings, right? Like, I think the Kings are a perfect example of a team that would really, really go for it. They were talking about on the broadcast yesterday that they were, t- you know, speaking with Aces players and that even the taste of kind of winning something like that last year went a long way for their confidence to, you know feel like they accomplished something on their way to eventually winning their first title as a group. So I think it absolutely matters for the athletes. And 
if it matters to the athletes, which I think was the biggest concern on the NBA side, of course it's going to matter to the fans. It's always going to bleed down from how the you know the actual teams compete and talk about it and all that. And Darren Fox is like you know he's an All Star level player who's already showing that he's down for it. So I think honestly it's old dudes who have covered the NBA too long just being grumpy and trying to pretend like it's nothing when we have no idea, one, we haven't seen it yet, and two, there's a bunch of reasons why it could be awesome. So let it happen. Uh, one last thing I forgot to ask you about earlier, should have. Uh, Kathy Engelbert was on the broadcast. She was talking about expansion. She says they hope to have... Your eye roll tells me we're on the same page with this. She said they hope to have an answer by the end of the year, but she's like, it's down to 10 cities. How is it August and you want to announce something at the end of the year, but you have 10 cities in consideration? This doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. She also changed the number like 15 times in the first like six months of this year, and now she's suck- She's settled on 10. She said 10 at one point, then went back to 20. Seems like 10's the real answer. I'm not sure what what's... Maybe there's like an intern messing with the Google Sheet deleting some of the line items. They're all American cities. I'm not sure how hard it is to keep track of a list, but... So you're you know. saying, oh, Toronto, Toronto's not on the list? I, TBD, I don't know what's on the... I don't know if there is a list. This seems to be very, uh, you know, intangible and hard to hard to really pin down, but... No, they also flew to Denver, her and some league, league execs, to see about a group there that, that wanted to show off where they would play and what the practice facility would be and everything. Well, the thing I'm more... Uh, I don't want to say more interested. Of course, the cities matter, but... It's probably just going to be two, I would guess, at least in this first round. And to me, just as important as the cities is what is the ownership group like? And not just because obviously you want good ownership, but how much of a focus is it for the W to find NBA teams that want to have a team versus independent? And it seems like they're going to go the independent route, which will tell us a lot about how they see the future of the league, especially considering how closely tied it's been to the NBA for as long as it's existed. And if you read certain quotes, like problematically connected to the NBA, to where the NBA might be holding it back. So I'm intrigued to see if they find some of these independent owners that are able to like make some decisions and give them some more independence and some real legs and you know something to stand on. But I don't know if that's money. Denver. We'll see. Spend some money. Spend some money and just be creative, do stuff. Don't just follow the path that the NBA is encouraging or that exactly how the NBA grew its business. It's a different business. It's a different game. It's a different league. Act like it and and have people who are bought into that, you know? Yeah. All right, let's end there. Thanks again to Dylan Heiser for production. Shout out to Homage again. Go buy something using our link below. Some of the money comes back to support the show. Back again on Monday. We're going to do a reaction to episodes one through three of Winning Time. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, maybe we'll see if there's any fallout from Aces Liberty round four. Any other? Maybe we'll get to more James Harden telling teenagers that Daryl Moore is a liar. Uh, all in good time. We'll see what happens between now and then. Until then, enjoy the basketball. Talk to you all next time.